Welcome to Beyond Conventional Marketing, a marketing leader's guide to digital consumer experiences. You're about to hear an episode full of insights from marketing leaders to help you build meaningful moments and relevant digital experiences for your consumers. Join us as we hear from marketing leaders about their experiences with data and personalization, digital marketing trends, and expert advice on how to grow your business and connect with consumers. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Conventional Marketing. So excited to introduce you to today's guest, Lucas Johnson, who is the Associate Vice President of Global Marketing at Zippo. Hi, Lucas. How's it going? Fantastic, Anushka. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited about our, our conversation. Before we get started, would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what it is that you do at Zippo. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, a little bit of an unconventional path to get to, to a marketing role where I'm at today. But prior to joining the Zippo family of companies, I worked in the telecom space for a number of years, primarily with a company, a Time Warner Cable, which many people know, uh, where I ended up managing a sales and subscriber retention department. And then I bounced around a little bit and joined the Zippo family of companies when I came to WR Case and Sons Cutlery Company, one of the other companies and brands within the, the portfolio at uh, Zipcorp. And there I worked as an international business development manager. I was charged with really establishing the Case Pocket Knife brand or Case Cutlery brand outside of the United States. It was a very small department. There were only like two of us. But I led the sales and marketing activity for the brand outside of the United States and, and tried to establish the brand and grow our presence, in particular in Europe and outside of the U.S. and North America. I transferred over to Zippo uh, back about 10 plus years ago as a key account manager in the domestic sales group and then moved into the role of global brand manager in 2016 and have been in marketing ever since. Currently, I am uh, the Associate VP with the responsibilities for strategic marketing of our iconic Zippo Windproof Lighter and Accessories line, as well as an expanding range of lifestyle products that we have on a global basis, as well as the Ronson Consumer Products Business Unit here in North America. I have uh, some creative teams that I work with as well, our Design Center and Art Department, who are responsible for all of the art that goes on our product and then all of the other creative stuff that we do, sales collateral, ads, all those sorts of things, and then working very closely with our marketing and communications agency partners as well. That is quite the career that you've had. Actually, just out of curiosity, what are some of the lifestyle products that Zippo has? Yeah, primarily you find them in Europe where we are much more of a lifestyle brand there. But the second biggest product category for Zippo on a global basis is eyewear. We've got sunglasses, which is the more sexy, fun kind of thing. But then we also have ready-made readers, which we've made sexy and fun to a certain extent. And so that's a, a big piece of our business over in Europe is eyewear. It seems a little eyebrow-raising at first, but when you think about you know, our core competencies at Zippo of decorating product and providing personalized 
products, then you transfer some of that into stylish designs and different prints. And instead of just the plain old boring brown and black eyewear, getting some vibrant colors and exciting patterns there, it really makes uh, starts to make a little bit more sense why we're in the, that product category there. Yeah, we also have some other things like, sorry, leather goods and a variety of other products as well. Yeah, that's interesting because like when you first said eyewear, I was like, oh, that that seems strange. But then as I thought about it, Zippo is such a classic lifestyle brand that it would, it does make sense to me. Yeah, um, exactly. So at Zippo, what are some of the highlights uh, and challenges, I guess, that you have been through over the past few years? Well, the last few years have certainly been challenging for everyone, I think, <laughs> in, in a variety of ways. Uh, you know, we are... Uh, we're a family-owned company that uh, is about to celebrate our 90th anniversary. So we've got a lot of heritage. Our owner is the third generation owner. We have the fourth generation actively working in our business. And so some of the, some of the challenges that we're seeing as a family company are both uh, unique in some ways and shared with others. You know, we ha- we're a very big brand but we are a relatively small company. And so, again, there's some different challenges and opportunities that come with that. Certainly, supply chain is one of those challenges that is common to a lot of folks over the last several years, both on an inbound basis of getting some of the raw materials that we use and on an, more importantly for us, on an outbound basis is getting the product to the market because we are marketed in virtually every country around the world. We say more than 180 countries. That doesn't really leave very many where we're not marketed. And uh, that outbound logistics and congestion at the ports and those sorts of things have, has really been a challenge for us. In addition, some of the other COVID-related things, you know, our factory had to shut down at the beginning of the pandemic, which obviously if you're not uh, producing product, it's tough to have product to, to sell and make some money on. So we were fortunate there that uh, we were able to pretty quickly come up with a great plan to to get back in business, get approved by local government to to be able to reopen and have our people back working again, which was great for business, but it was also great for our people to continue to to get paid and and be able to to come to work and support their families. Over the last several years, in addition to the pandemic, of course, cybersecurity stuff, you know, rise of protection of personally identifiable information. We take that extremely seriously. We value our consumers greatly as a heritage brand and as a family owned company, it's super important for us to protect our consumers. So over the last several years, you we've invested in technologies, but also invested in people to make those technologies really work for us. We've got for the first time ever in the last year, we hired a chief information and security officer. We've hired a full-time dedicated marketing analytics person, and we've engaged with a variety of other outside vendors and contractors to help us manage all of the person identifiable information security and um, ensuring that we're um, compliant with, with all the applicable laws and even doing better than that in the best interest of our, of our consumers. That's extremely interesting. I think, like you said, a lot of the challenges that you've, you've been through are, are shared amongst a lot of companies, what would you say some of the highlights have been either in the last few years or 
in the last 90 years for Zippo? (laughs) Well, in the last few years, some of the highlights, you know, we've really seen some of our coordinated efforts and some of our strategies start to, to pay off. 2021 was the best year in company history in terms of revenue and profits. Um, and we saw some huge growth in some of the newer diversified product categories, some of which we we're talking about the eyewear, something like our heat bank rechargeable hand warmer saw uh, fantastic growth over the last two years or so. And so really, when you get to see, you know, the, the plans come together, it's been it's been very exciting time to be at Zippo and has certainly been one of the highlights uh, not only over the last several years, but uh, of my career for sure. Congratulations. I think it's it's amazing to hear that despite all the challenges that you've had, that apparently the business is thriving as best it ever has. <laughs> Could you maybe elaborate on some of the successes that you've had last year and why you think you were able to be so successful when many companies were struggling? Yeah, many companies were definitely hurt by the pandemic, as you noted. We were are very fortunate to be amongst the lucky ones. There's a few things that we directly attribute this our success that we've seen over the last two plus years to during this difficult uh, pandemic time around the world. One is, you know, I mentioned that we were able to get our factory open pretty quickly, and that's because we have a a meaningful presence in China. That's a, uh, our biggest market on a global basis and our fastest growing market on a global basis. And so we've invested pretty heavily in China over the last several years with our own uh, facilities over there and a bunch of employees over there. And so because the pandemic kind of started in China, uh, the reaction that they've done, you know, the work that they put in to ensure that they could reopen the safeguards to keep their employees safe, to keep the workplace a safe place and keep everyone healthy. We were able to essentially take that playbook that they wrote in China. We were one of the first companies that got permission from the Chinese government to be able to reopen our facility because of the plan that we had in place. So we just took that playbook and tweaked it for our own operations in the United States. And so it really quickly allowed us to to pivot and to you know, make the necessary adjustments and, and put in the necessary safeguards to keep our employees safe and healthy. So that was really uh, an advantage for us and really helped lead to our success of being able to, to get back to business as, as new normal can be, I guess. One of the other factors is the stimulus package that that uh, that occurred both in the United States and in Europe and elsewhere around the around the world. We could look at the data and you see that stimulus monies or checks hit consumer bank accounts on a Thursday, and the very next day you'd see meaningful spikes in our business at key retailers around the globe, and so it was. Um, you know, our lighters are an impulse purchase. They weren't necessarily saying, oh, I have a stimulus check. I'm going to go buy a Zippo lighter. They would go purchase some of these other things, uh, bigger ticket items, but on their way out the door, they would see a Zippo lighter and it was uh, something that they wanted to pick up for themselves. Consumers wanted to pick up for themselves or as a gift. And some of that was because of increased use cases, right? There's a lot of data out there that supports that uh, camping and outdoor activities really thrived during the pandemic. And that's kind of the third point that led to our success over the last few years. More people were looking to get outside. They weren't jumping on airplanes and traveling around. I heard uh, 
some folks from Samson had done this podcast talking about that, uh, how the travel industry was really decimated. That hurt Samsonite, but it really helped us because people were having more fires in, in their backyard and going on more camping trips and lighting those torches around their patio and cooking more. And all of those things require fire. And we are the most iconic flame, a Zippo lighter. We're a, we're a portable flame. And so those leisure activities, camping, spending time outside, backyard barbecuing really uh, helped uh, grow our business. People had money in their pockets. They're doing that. They see the Zippo lighter and they purchase it. And then the last main uh, contributing factor to our success is the fact that we're made in the United States. Every single lighter has Bradford PA stamped in the bottom. We're extremely proud to be able to do that. And we'll never make a lighter outside of Bradford ever. And that has really helped us because many of those supply chain issues that I was talking about that Zippo experienced were much more pronounced for other companies that were importing their goods because they're foreign made goods. So we had some challenges in getting raw materials within the United States, but nowhere near to the scale or scope of some of the other companies that, uh, that are importing products. So with all these supply chain issues, Retailers were looking for things to put on their shelves. I recall doing store visits and going to big box stores, and it seemed like 30% or more of their, their shelves were empty at retail. And you can't make money if you don't have stuff to sell. And so our efforts on the sales front really, over the last five years, really paid off because we were starting to get buyers to call us, which is a salesperson's dream, of course, right? Yeah. Instead of having <laughs> To reach out, they were calling us because they knew that we were USA made. And so that uh, pure, purely right place at the right time, so to say, and having product available to put on the shelves at retail really, really paid off for us and, and really helped. We were uh, also had some visibility because of what was going on in China and our operations there cluing us into what they saw. We had kind of the canary in the coal mine, if you will, to, to see what was going on. And so we were able to heavy up on some of those raw materials and heavy up on some of that foreign source stuff, other product categories and other brands that um, that really helped us to be, to be successful. So that's interesting to see how so many different factors where in some situations, like all of those things could have maybe worked against you, but they really came together to, to support the business and help it grow in a time where it was really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. We're very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I guess like, I think part of it is having those elements and being a cohesive team, leveraging the learnings that you had from your from your factory in China. But I guess part of it is also luck to a certain extent. Yeah, I also like to think that, you know, they say chance favors the prepared or luck favors yeah. the prepared. So working, you know, plans being in place and you know, things coming together, we were we uh, were set up to be allowed to be lucky, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. <laughs> so now I would love to talk a little bit more about data and how you use data, because a lot of the examples that you touched on were very data, data driven, right? So as you mentioned, this is something that um, has been like a growing practice at Zippo. How have things evolved and changed at Zippo in terms of how you use data? 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question. As you know, a company that's been around for ninety years, certainly a lot has changed over the last ninety years. But the use of data is perhaps one of the the most important changes that we've had over a variety of ways. You know, that the usage of and reliance on data to help us make a variety of decisions from both the marketing and operational perspectives has really um, had a, a, a profound impact on our business um, and. You know some of the some of the more specific things or some examples I guess to say is I you know I talked about the stimulus checks coming in on Thursdays and then Friday we we long thought or would see some data and it wasn't super clear in the data that like tax season was an important time of year for us as an impulse a, a brand whose core product is an impulse purchase primarily. And so you'd see some things in there and there were some assumptions that made but it became very apparent with the stimulus checks because that's essentially a very shortened tax return window, right? You're, you're compressing a several month period into one specific day almost or one specific week. And so there's when you see that data and you can look at knowing what was occurring that impacted this meaningful spike on these specific days throughout this last several years, we then can extrapolate and say, okay, this is what is going on, and here's the larger ramification. So now how do we as a company capitalize on that, right? That's part of what we need to do as a marketing organization. So creating programs, creating marketing efforts, creating seasonal programs where some retailers wouldn't necessarily think about you know, having a, a tax season program for something like a pocket lighter, being able to take that data to retailers and, and show them that data and then using it to make educated decisions about when and where products should be placed. And frankly, what product to place uh, has has been very, very valuable for us. You know, talking about the, the right product to place, I'd say that one of the other you know, things that's evolved and what some of the impact of, of data has had on us. Over the last several years, we have looked at uh, leveraging research platforms to gather data on consumer design preferences. So before we would you know, kind of do some research is what kind of designs do we put on? And there was a small group of folks that picked what designs go on lighters, we would involve some of our customers. But we, about four years ago, switched and said, well, it's nice to know what our employees think, and it's nice to know what our customers think, but who we really want to know are the ones that are ultimately purchasing it. So we started working with uh, a variety of uh, platforms and one key vendor to really focus in on that, where we're testing thousands of designs before we make a selection as to what designs are going into which retails and which catalogs and which points of distribution. And that has had a meaningful impact. If you look at the data to see our stock lighter designs, because we also do custom lighter designs where consumers uh, and customers can make their own. But this, the increase in sales of our stock lighter designs, even in some years where our overall business was down, those stock designs were continuing to grow. It's directly attributable to leveraging the data points that we learned about what consumers are looking for on our product, right? What designs are, are going to speak to them. So would you be able to share some of the important ways in which you, you get your data? Like what, uh, when you're, when you're thinking about the insights that you're getting about like purchase behavior, is that, 
data from the retailers that you work with? Is it data that you collect? And then when you're thinking about doing testing with consumers, as you said, what are some of the the tools that you found helpful or your team has found helpful? Yeah, uh, a few things. I'll take the the second one first because that's what we were just talking about. You know, when we look at design testing, I'll give a plug for a great partner of ours called First Insight, based out of the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. They uh, they specialize in this. They they work with retailers and brands alike. Uh, they have some compelling case studies with some brands that you wouldn't even think like um, bridal dress retailers and how they were able to. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about bridal dresses is if it's a no offense to bridal dress retailers. If it's an ugly dress, nobody's going to buy it, no matter how much you mark it down. Right? And so the scrap that they were able to save from some well-known bridal dress retailers was was actually staggering, in my opinion, um, because markdowns just don't work there. And so working with First Insight and the platform that they have to be able to show a variety of designs that we then can target different consumer groups. So if this consumer group are NFL football fans. We can show them a variety of NFL designs to see which ones they like the best. And then we put them in the places where we know that they shop. And so that has, uh, again, that's had a profound impact on our, on our overall business and has really helped us to create the right designs and get them in front of the right audiences. You know, some of the other uh, data sources that we use outside of straight up research, some of them are, are data points that we own, you know, through our own e-commerce shop, through our own, you know, marketing, marketing efforts, social media and, and other data collection methods. Um, and then some of them are retailer or partner provided pieces of data. The big change that's occurred over the last several years is how we're leveraging that data, but most importantly, how we're aggregating and visualizing that data. So I mentioned earlier, we recently hired uh, someone to lead, you know, got to the point where, where we really needed some dedicated resources to do the marketing analytics for us rather than being split amongst other folks. And so central consolidating, centralizing and slicing that data and viewing that data in different ways, you know, lifetime values of customers and understanding consumer classifications, right? Here's this group of consumers and what do they like and what's our what's their lifetime value versus others has really allowed us to to help customize experiences for individual consumers and groups of consumers to uh, to give them a better experience and and to give us uh, some more success. That makes a lot of sense and it's nice to see that you have different sources of data that are that are like working together. But also, I personally love hearing about tools that are specifically helpful. Like when I was a marketer, I was always on the lookout for for tools that might be helpful in my day to day. So, I'm sure I'm sure your your partners appreciate the plug, but I'm sure our listeners will too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm happy to give another plug too. You know, the data visualization tool that we've used to start aggregating the data from different sources and being able to look at things differently is Domo. That's uh, one of the kind of the, the big data visualization tools. We've had a lot of uh, success with it. We we really enjoy it. It's got a, a very intuitive interface, and um, it, like I say, it's it's really helped our our efforts immensely. Great. So you had talked a bit about e-commerce. Um, could we go a little bit more into detail about that? How does Zippo approach e-commerce? Has it changed in the last few years? And what are maybe again some of the challenges that you're you're facing in that space? 
Yeah, e-commerce. Uh, we've definitely seen some changes over the last few years. I, I talked about you know being set up to be lucky or, or doing the work to to be lucky, put ourselves in a position to be lucky, and this is one of those great examples. So, over the last ten years, we have uh, made some operational choices and some restructuring choices, and have started our own subsidiaries in Europe and in China. And the European subsidiaries in particular came as a result of buying out past distributors. And those distribution partners each were responsible for their own piece of business, which led to everybody having their own e-commerce platform, everybody having their own ERP system, everybody having their own way of doing things. And so that was really one of the most meaningful things that we've done in the e-com space over the last several years is getting our subsidiaries and our, our, our business in Bradford here, the headquarters on a common ERP system, right? First of all, that's the back end of what is what's going to drive the, the, you know, our e-commerce platforms, then getting everything on a common platform. And that allows us to implement a CMS system, right? Content management systems, because I mentioned we're, we're a big brand, but we really are a small company. So we need to manage all aspects of our business as efficiently as we possibly can. And having five or six different platforms that our e owned e-com sites are running on isn't really efficient for us, <laughs> obviously. So that structuring of our business and in particular of our e-com efforts has really, really did set us up for success to leverage or to capitalize, I should say, on the growth, uh, the accelerated growth of e-com over the, the pandemic over the last several years. So that um, that's what I attribute a lot of that to. Some of the other changes or, or things going on, challenges that we've faced uh, in e-com and moving so fast is, I joke that uh, at Zippo, we make two products, regular and slim, right? Meaning pocket lighters. Those are kind of the, are what we're really known for in the court. But we get thousands of, of SKUs every year because we decorate the heck out of it, which again is why it's so important to make sure we're decorating it with the right things. But there's also been this growing trend. It uh, you know, continues to grow. It's been going on for a while about one-off personalization or one-off customization. So, allowing uh, or getting all of our e-com platforms on a common system, both from an ERP backend perspective, but also platform the same, is allowing us to really roll out some great new ways to personalize lighters and have a great interface. So I don't want to give too much away, but uh, keep your eyes open, listeners, for some new and exciting ways and a, a much better personalization experience at Zippo.com, as well as our own e-commerce sites next over in Europe. And so that's a, a meaningful change. That's a lot of work, but it allows us to do what we do in a, you know, one of our core competencies of decorating product in a scalable way. I'm excited to see what's, what's coming up. Yeah, so uh, I, I am too. I got to sneak peek, but I still can't wait for it to go live. <laughs> um, so... As we're, as we're just thinking about wrapping up, as you mentioned, Zippo is a heritage company, and we talked a lot about things that have changed in the last several years. I'm curious, what do you think are some of the things that have stayed the same that have been important for your success? Yeah, I, you know, I'd say there's, there's like three things that I would attribute, you know, that I would say would stay the same that has really contributed to our ongoing success. One is our 
our core product, right? The Zippo pocket lighter. We're, we're very fortunate um, that we have this iconic product, this iconic American product that is loved by so many. I, I sometimes will say in, our, in a digital world, the Zippo lighter is the ultimate analog, right? It's something that consumers use to get uh, a respite from from digital, right? It's it's a it's a fidget device that that uh, sound trademark Zippo click people love, and it uh, this has got something that you can fiddle with it and open and close the the lighter in your in your hand. For those of you at home, you know you should recognize this this sound, right? As I open and close my lighter here. Um, and so this, this, it, we really have an iconic product. I, people love it. Hollywood loves it. I, I always like to share when we were working with some folks in Hollywood a number of years ago, there was a, a director who, who told me, Lucas, if, if I'm going to put a lighter into a film, right, if I've got a, if I've got a badass that needs to burn something down or blow shit up, he has to have a Zippo lighter or she has to have a Zippo lighter, right? She can't pull out some plastic lighter, right? It's got to be a Zippo lighter, right? The American classic. So we're very fortunate to have a great brand and, and a great product. And that continues to be successful over the last 90 years and with, with 90 more years to come. I think the, uh, the, the next thing is a commitment to our employees, you know, this podcast it talks about and we've talked about, you know, using data and using technology, but you can have the greatest systems in the world. If you don't have the greatest people behind it, the systems are never going to work. And so we really value our employees. We're in a small town in Pennsylvania, pretty rural area, but uh, we really value our employees and our employees uh, are like family and we treat them like family. And so having great people and being able to attract great people to a small area has been part of our, uh, of our success and will continue to be part of our success. And the last thing I would say is, you know, a commitment to the core values that we have as a company, not only to our, you know, employees, but the core values as well. Mr. Blaisdell, who was the inventor of the Zippo lighter and the founder of the company, the grandfather of our current owner, has a quote that is attributed to him and it hangs on a plaque in my office. And he said, build your product with integrity, stand behind it 100% and success will follow. And we try to live by those words every single day. And that really is what uh, I think has contributed to our, con our continued success over 90 years is really taking care of our consumers as best we can, you know, standing behind our product and making a product as uh, to the best of our ability that will that will last a lifetime, which is exactly why we have a lifetime guarantee on them. And, and that really is what, you know, that quote from Mr. Blaisdell is really what is uh, at the essence of, of our lifetime guarantee. I love that. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I think it's been really interesting to, um, to hear about all of your successes over the last 90 years, but also really refreshing to hear about some of the things that haven't changed at all because it really teaches us as marketers that like you said you can have all the transformation and tools and digital and all of that but some things never change yeah you're exactly right you're exactly right all right well thank you so much for for being on the show it's been lovely to have you i'm sure our, our audience is gonna love love your insights and your experience yeah, thank you. Thank you, Anushka. I, I, um, I'm honored to be on the podcast. I, I love it. I, I mentioned to you that uh, it's added to my rotation permanently now. So thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. 
I love to hear it. Thank you, Lucas. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Conventional Marketing, a Brainify podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and share it. To learn more about creating delightful digital experiences, join us for the next conversation.